Hi, I'm Phil DiMartino. Welcome to another episode of the Create Smarter Podcast. It's about that time where institutions begin planning for their giving days. Believe it or not, it is that time of year already, but where, oh, where should you start? Tyler and I sat down with Julia Modal-Lowe from Tufts University to talk about how to build a successful strategy for your day of giving. There is no one better to learn from than Julia. Let's get it started. Julia, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you so much. Um, do you want a little bit of yes, the usual? Please. Tell okay. us about yourself and all the good all the good stuff. All the good stuff. Okay. Well, I'm Julia Modal Lowe. I'm director of annual giving initiatives. Uh, I have worked at Tufts for um, ever and a day. <laughs> so I started my career in admissions and then pivoted over to fundraising uh, in 2003 and ran the annual fund at the Fletcher School for a number of years and have spent about the last decade, which has flown by, doing uh, various forms of strategy for the entire annual giving system within the university. So, so annual giving maybe now is synonymous with days of giving, but it always hasn't always been. I think like a lot of people now, that's their relationship with annual funds, especially donors. But that obviously wasn't always the case. What was the first inkling for you that Tufts was jumping on board with this? And, and what made you all kind of take the leap and say, we need to do a one-day fundraising campaign? We realized that we wanted to do something that would enable us to broaden our donor base. And um, Tufts has always, um, has not always, but has worked very hard to create a, a path to securing exceptional gifts, large gifts. But we don't have as long a history in securing the gifts from the broad base of support, which is really synonymous with the um, level of institution that Tufts has become. So we really wanted to focus on that. And uh, some other institutions were doing their own days of giving, and it seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, we are a sort of quasi-centralized institution, so we decided that we um, we're not going to have an easy time finding a date on our own. Our founding date is not the same date as our professional schools. Everyone has a different feeling of what would be the, the best time to do it. So we heard this inkling of something called a Giving Tuesday, and we're like, oh, well, this is great. This solves that problem for us. We don't have to go through uh, any political quagmire. We can just say, we're gonna try this. Uh, and we did, we hopped in on the second year that um, Giving Tuesday existed uh, with really zero expectations. Right. Um, I think our goal at the time was somewhere like 300 gifts. We just were like, well, uh, our baseline had been normally the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, we get 18 gifts, right. 18 donors. <laughs> so anything above 18 was going to win. Was, woo, we're in it. So, um, so I think we had somewhere in the neighborhood of 700 gifts the first year, which just we blew our mind. And... Um, and over, and it's been incremental growth ever since. Right. So and pivoting and changing and adjusting. Obviously, the pandemic and things have made things um, a little different. But uh, last year we landed at uh, ninety three hundred gifts, right. four point two million dollars. And that's one of the things I wanted to bring up that we are talking about here today is, a lot of times people look at um, a Giving Tuesday or a Giving Day like you all have at Tufts, and they see those numbers ninety three hundred gifts over four million raised, and they say, I'm not even going to try. I can't, I right. couldn't possibly get that. But the point you just made is really important. This is not how this event started. You no. did not start with 9,300 donors. No, it started as, <laughs> Julia, let's try this. Let's make this about 15% of your your 
like your work life, so to speak. Is um, it still 15%? No, I, I um, <laughs> it is essentially my entire job for about seven months of the year. Right. And then it peters out to like 30% for the other five months. And that's a really important point for people right. who are maybe diving in for the first time, I think, is that, and also it's not just you. Correct. Right. Yeah. So I'm the only person for whom, like, who for whom it's almost all I do. I have other projects that I pick up along the way. But um, by now, almost every, certainly everyone on the annual giving team has a piece of Giving Tuesday that they help support and run. And then over time, um, more and more, particularly of my major gift development officers have been crucial in securing um, challenge donors as well. Right. So. We're going to talk more about challenges in a second because that's a hugely important part of it. Um, you mentioned starting out early on, and I think um, one of the first questions that comes to mind for people when they're trying to host a giving day, a day of giving is, can I do it on my own or do I need to get some help? And when I say help, I mean technology help. Yep. Um, for me, when I started out um, hosting a giving, a giving day at a different institution, it was one of the first questions we, we grappled with because you know, a large institution especially has a really big team dedicated to, to gift processing. Right. That said, um, you mentioned the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, normally you 18 gifts. Right. Um, to go from 18 even to a couple hundred, um, that's a huge, huge leap. And just the processing, never mind everything else that comes with the technology platform, you need some help. Yep. So what was that process like for you? Did you start out with a technology platform and how has that evolved over time? So no, um, I think the general thinking was we wanted to prove the proof of concept. Uh, we have historically created a lot of bespoke products that were just unique to our needs. So our online giving page um, was uh, not out of a box solution. It was something we had specifically made for us. So it was literally working with our gift processing team. Um, I shudder when I think about this. Uh, we, we worked with them. We agreed on hourly or I don't know, a, a, specific amount, number of times of the day that they would upload the donors, send us an Excel file. We had our communications team create this really cute um, live, um, now granted the expectations were different a decade ago sure, as well, sure, sure. but a live donor wall that was searchable. And then we would manually update those names and uh, and then at the time be like, oh sure, we'll correct those mistakes that you made. <laughs> but anyway, so it was just what, it, you know, it was, doable for 600 and then we reached a point where it was clear that I mean which should have been reached before but it was very clear that we could not go on without some technological support and so we then pivoted to a platform and now we have all of our technology our gift processing crowdfunding um, online giving is um, all in one product and that's a really smart way to do it yes. right because it's not an insignificant investment um, so if you're going to invest in it, I think if you can find a way to make it work beyond just a day of giving, whether it's yes. for crowdfunding at least or yep. all-encompassing, I mean, that's a huge way to be able to help sell it internally. Too. Yep. And it's still, just in case any of my gift processing friends are out here watching <laughs> this, we still could not do it without oh. the enormous amount of work oh, it entails. Yeah. So, um, but at least now <laughs> we're trying to get it um, as smooth as possible. Well, and the reason them. that you have to say that so carefully it's because it is still a tremendous amount of yes. work for gift processing right, right. 9300 gifts in a day yes um there's also there's going to be a lag in processing right and yes. that does come into play presumably for you all for calendar year end i would imagine that creates yes. some challenges for you too yes around timing and of course 
Giving Tuesday always falls on the Tuesday after Thanksgiving, which inevitably falls at a time that's either month end or, I mean, we could go into the weeds of the way the gift processing thing, uh, which I blessedly don't have to really think about. I just meet with our team several times a year and we stay in touch and they've sorted out all those plans, but it is not an insignificant um they are without a doubt one of the internal stakeholders you want to bring on board quickly um, if this is what you choose to do. Right, and as part of vetting that technology platform, right. I know for most people like they have to be involved from the jump yes. to say, yep. can you send us sample files? What does it look like? All yep. of that stuff. Yep. Um, from a tech standpoint, thinking about leaderboards and things like that, is there one part of the platform that jumps out to you maybe as like the most important thing for you all? Um, that that you that you use or that you see people um, visiting the site for. Honestly, I think the biggest thing is um, the ticker, mm -hmm. like just the overall, just overall seeing yeah. where they are. It, I mean, on it's it really. We used to get phone calls. Well, where am I at? How many gifts do I have? <laughs> and and it took about two years for me to be like, you can just go to the site <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and look it up yourself. Um, so that made a huge difference um, for everybody. And then um, you know everyone wants to be the the behavior of giving on a giving day is you want to be the one who's the inflection point, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can create a series of challenges where you're having inflection points at many different times mm -hmm. so that you're always motivating giving even if you haven't sent out an email or your social post isn't going out until later. Um, so is it the person who's going to be the one who secures that gift because they're our thousandth donor or is it the dollar for dollar challenges? The leaderboards are huge. Um, but not universally huge. So they right. were amazingly effective for our athletics audience, not a surprise. Um, we have tried to replicate it to have some parity among student representation because not all students at Tufts are athletes, but um, other groups just aren't as interested in that sort of competitive leaderboard style thing. So we've had to find other ways to encourage um, non-athletic groups to get involved, so. That true real-time ticker that you mentioned, it's so incredible that that's like, even internally, I think about like staff and like the advancement staff, right? Right. Where are we at? Where are we at? Yep. Where are we at? Like, you don't realize how <laughs> much human nature just like loves to see a number tick up. Tick up. Right? Absolutely. Yeah, it um, is. It's, um, and it's funny too, because it initially, of course, as fundraisers, everyone is talking about, they want the dollars to tick up. Right. And so I've been working really hard to make sure that we can change this to the number of gifts, or now we're moving towards just donors, um, so that we can have this be, I mean, of course, it's lovely to raise a lot of money. Of course, yeah. We wouldn't say no, yeah. but um, but we really want to keep the focus on, are we reaching those dollar, uh, those donor goals that we're looking for? Right. One of the big questions right now that I think we're seeing, it, and I actually have it as well, does the challenge amount matter? And I think that's a kind of a good jumping off point for our next segment right here. What do you think? I really thought it did. And I actually think it doesn't. So I, there's a lot of learning that happens. Um, I think I had this, I personally, so I believe two things that I think as we've explored and, and um, become more adventurous in our strategies, I really thought we had to stick to the challenges in which a certain amount of donors unlocks the gift because I had this, uh, 
I guess, unfounded fear. I'm not sure where it came from. And I wasn't alone. Our whole team sort of had this thought that if you have a $5,000 challenge gift, someone's just going to go and give $5,000. <laughs> right. And then your whole strategy is blown, right? Whereas yeah. as the donor gift sort of equalizes the giving. So it doesn't matter if you're giving $5 or you're giving $500, all gifts have the same value, which is really the philosophy of the day for us. It's not the philosophy of the day for a lot of other organizations. Um, turns out you can have a whole host of challenges. You can secure $50,000. You can secure $250. Um, and we're even going to try to explore the new platform we transitioned to, um, even trying to see if we could get some of our own volunteers to create their own challenges day of, which are tend to be much more focused, much smaller. So you do need to have a strategy upon which you are working to communicate what those challenges are and why they're a priority and what the impact is. And even better, if possible, to layer on um, like volunteers or other stakeholders who are pushing that challenge out to their constituents. That's what I was going to ask you about the importance of ambassadors. And I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But when it comes to challenges, you mentioned the dollar amount not mattering as much. But um, we've seen a lot of institutions do these challenges where maybe the dollar amount isn't huge. But the simple fact is that there's an internal stakeholder, an old faculty advisor that has an alumni mailing list, for mm -hmm. example, who can reach out to people and say, hey, I'm putting my name behind this. You can trust that this is legit and important. You know, will you join me in making a 10, a 20, a $30 yep. gift? And that individual outreach from a trusted partner that's not just the institution yes. seems to me that it often goes a really long way in challenges as well. Yes. And I think that's probably why athletics is such a large portion of our day, because the coaches have figured out that this model works for them. And um, it is they not only reach out to their former students um, and athletes, um, but they do ask that the, and the players have a role in reaching out to their um, friends and family. And of course, not every gift you get in a 9,300 gift day is, you know, Bob, the athlete's <laughs> uncle, is not probably a long-term prospect, sure, prospect sure. for Tufts. But um, it's building that energy and helping the students understand the importance of giving back as well. Right. I do think there's a couple of important points to that. So Bob, the uncle, maybe isn't a long-term donor. But first of all, maybe maybe Bob is Could a long-term donor, Could right? Could be. Absolutely. And in all likelihood, you're, you're right. But you have this page you know, throughout the year. The, give, the giving page has all of these cool individual campaigns. Who knows? Maybe Bob will right. come back and say, Oh, I didn't know that Tufts had this interesting research. In addition to my nephew's, you know, football team, I'm also interested in this research. So yeah. there's that, but then there is also just the importance, of course, of those lots of small gifts coming together and yes. helping the team, right? Yes. Like, and that's that's a part of this too. So um, I think a lot of times we would look at it and say, oh, the friends donations, and almost like it's not as important. But there's still there's still a chance albeit slimmer, of longer-term donors, and the, and the money there is still not insignificant, too. Correct. Well, and Tufts has two schools that have predominantly friends audiences. I mean, the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine right. is mostly um, a, you know, a grateful client, grateful patient type of, of audience. And then the Friedman School is, generally speaking, people who are interested in nutrition science and research. So we have learned how to do things that are sort of more traditionally nonprofit, as opposed to um, what one would speak of as like a, a higher ed um, lens, I guess, for those two particular programs. Um, when you think of things like that, you mentioned athletics, you mentioned some of the professional schools. Um, this doesn't happen on your own, right? There are people right. who are much more involved in these constituencies than you are that have the audience, that have the voice. 
What is your general approach when you look at internal partners to getting those people involved? How do you think about it? How do you break it up? And then how do you actually get these people motivated and get them on board with, with your cause? Um, so now I have the opposite problem where everyone wants a seat at the table <laughs> because because they think if they just say, oh, it's Giving Tuesday, they will be part of this large sort of and donors sno and dollars snowball in, of right? an event. Yeah. Um, obviously, that was not the case in year two and year three, um, where we didn't even have all of the professional schools on board. It took three years before every single graduate and professional school uh, was participating uh, in Giving Tuesday. It was, it, it was, an, it was a quasi-opt-in situation. Athletics, it became very clear that was going to be a good research, uh, a good outreach opportunity for us. Um, we have a great partner um, in the arts and sciences team uh, centrally who does our fundraising for athletics. And so he and I have worked in very close contact for, I don't know, since the beginning of time, feels like. Uh, and then he connects with all the coaches. Uh, and we've fine-tuned that, created scripts, we created concepts, um, what we're doing with you guys. This whole media day, when I mentioned to the coaches that this is what we were doing, um, I mean, they just ate it up. So, um, so that's sort of one way of doing it, is you try to figure out who you can engage um, now what I've actually done is I've created sort of a template for the departments or the programs who raise their hand and say, oh, we want in, we want to do it. And um, they receive no technical support from um, me the first year. Uh, I provide them with a toolkit uh, that has uh, scripts, a timeline, sample language, everything they need, logos. Um, but the expectation is that they will do the outreach to their constituency on their own and the vast majority of them do it once and realize it's hard and don't do it again. Right. And that's okay because as we just said, if unless this revered professor or mm -hmm. this staff person, or who, unless they're willing to do it, it really isn't gonna work any other way. And there are a handful of, of organizations within or of, of groups within the university who have decided this is what they're doing and, right. they're, and they're all in. So yeah. that's exciting too. And they see results. They do. What are some effective ways to promote a day of giving on university-owned channels? Now, this is something we talk about our internal partners. What about internal channels that you own, Julia? Uh, so this is where Tufts being uh, sort of quasi-centralized becomes interesting. So we have the university-wide channels on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, and those are run by university communications. So we work together to create a strategy which has evolved over time. It's predominantly um, looking at sort of hype building. We're not, it, Facebook is not really the place to be doing solicitations anymore, especially not since they've gotten into the Giving Tuesday marketplace themselves. They are not interested in supporting your push for Giving Tuesday if you're not doing a Giving Tuesday campaign through them. Taking them off platforms. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. So we do a lot of excitement building um, through those channels uh, and just try to keep it as um, fun and informational and impact oriented as possible. We've seen a little more success using LinkedIn, which we've done more recently. We do a, a We've historically done a combination of, you know, organic ads, uh, organic posts, as well as digital ads. It's for us, it's such a hard thing to follow through as to whether or not it's 
worth the spend. So we're still figuring that out. The schools themselves have a varying degree of ownership and autonomy over their own social channels. So then you get that next layer of some of them are super sophisticated, super interested in sharing this content, and others are not. Others have log jams as well. Um, so, um, so that sort of essentially it's. That's where I think being at a large, complex organization, you know, you naturally have a lot of different stakeholders. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of different messages that this organization needs to communicate. And they have an enormous number of constituencies, you know, whether it's, you know, people who are looking at applying, people who are looking at doing research. You know, it's not just our alumni who are coming to our social channels. Uh, so we're, it's a balancing act. And I'm fortunate enough to work with people with whom we can dance around it <laughs> together, which is good. Well, it's one of the, I think it's interesting the question comes up. It's one of the most common things from our standpoint as a, as a production partner that we see people running into is that we have this content, now we have to make the case internally just to get our um, our internal partners to post things up. As you mentioned, you have a, you have a good relationship with internal communications, with, uh, with your marketing team, I should say, and that's great. Not everybody um, has that close relationship, especially advancement to central communications. The goals are not always perfectly aligned. Oftentimes, those central pages for a university page are really so heavily geared towards admissions right. and towards parents that they're not geared at all. They don't want to touch fundraising. Correct. So a lot of times we try to talk to people about, you know, don't just try to jam this down your university communications team's throats. Like, bring them into the conversation and find out what they believe would be useful because right. Ultimately, they do run their pages, and they know what's going to succeed. So, like, let's work together and let's find something that's going to be appealing to that audience. Um, and if the answer is nothing, and we really genuinely don't believe the audience is right, let's not spin our wheels and let's find those channels, the schools, the right. teams, those channels that do work better. And um, and we are very. I mean, we are in regular communication with all of our our teams, among students, among parents, among staff and faculty. Uh, our president Tony Monaco has got a fish. <laughs> and I can't remember the name of the fish. Oh, come on, you guys, help me. Do Dottie? Dottie, yes, Dottie? good wow. job, way to go. Wow. The you fact that the, I know that, really. You are the tough What king. does that say about me? I don't, I'm, I'm say, gonna uh, say it's only good good things, I don't, only good I don't things. wanna brag, but um, I do have the uh, the Tufts mug here, nice. so nice. I don't wanna brag, you, but. You've got it all. <laughs> uh, so anyway, on a whim, we did like a little whiteboard thing that says Toddy, Dottie wants to wish you a happy Tuffsgiving Tuesday and and our social team post it was the most loved post on the <laughs> entire campaign and it was not even one that we had like mapped out do you think the president would let us use Dottie I mean it was just sort of an impulse right. thing so so that was a lot of fun to see too the more playful stuff so we're um, so it's fun it's, you know, as with all things, across the board, it's the push and pull with everybody, right? And you just sort of have to be Gumby and uh, figure out how to how to make it work. I think the Bruce Lee quote is, you have to be water, you have to be oh, flexible. Yes. I like be Gumby a little better. Yeah. Uh, and I think we might put that up on a sign on our on our wall in our office. Okay. Um, you mentioned the Dottie thing isn't something you carefully plan. There is a lot of stuff that you do carefully plan. Yep. Um, some of that being the work that we work on with you, the, yes. the content creation plan. Um, what are some of the overall things you're trying to accomplish when you're putting together videos that you're going to use to promote this day? What, what are you trying to do when you think you interact with us and you say, we're going to create some video content that's going to go out in the days, weeks leading up to Giving Tuesday? What are you hoping that these videos will do? What are you hoping people's reaction will be? 
what's what's the overall really high level goal of using well, video? Well, usually I come to you guys and say, what do I want my videos to do this year? Because <laughs> I don't know anymore. Um, no, but I think um, that like everything has evolved, right? So the first year you guys did a video for us back in the Stone Age. Um, we just put it up organically and it got 10,000 views without trying. So it was just a different universe. Now, I don't think, I mean, it's that's just not even a remote possibility for what we're, um, we're looking at. So what we've sort of, the three of us have sat down and talked about is um, recognizing that you want to accomplish different things with different content. So, um, and tell me if I'm no, no. Re repeating Please. this back to you this wrong. Is, so <laughs> have I learned? Am I doing okay? Great. Good, good, good job. Julia is a good, <laughs> the student is, becomes the master. Um, so, uh, so we have good open rates for our email. I'll, I know the whole Apple thing makes all the emails look like they're red, but generally speaking, our emails drive giving. And so we send our folks to our platform, which has a video, which um, you don't really need to convince them at that point. I feel if they're there, you want to tell a story that's a little more impactful and a message of, you know, this is, um, this is how you are going to make a difference. And then there's the whole social thing, which we're still trying to magically unlock, um, which really I'm just trying to stop the scroll, um, mm -hmm. if at all. Um, and I think what you guys have really brought into the conversation for us is, you know, we have a bunch of student influencers or even faculty who could help us do that by leveraging their own networks if we give them their own, you know, access to their own content mm -hmm. or even a way to create content. I think one of the biggest videos that we put out on Insta was one of our faculty members who has a huge following and um, our central communications tagged him and then he, I don't even, I mean, I'm so, I use uh, Abacus, so <laughs> like, I'm not the one to ask. Uh, yeah, and, you're leveraging those Yeah, networks. and he reshared yeah. it and off it went. Right. So I think it's reshared, reshared, retweet, whatever. This is, <laughs> now we've lost, now we've lost any, they're gonna, they're fleeing. You're spot on, you're getting the second level network, right? right. It goes beyond what you have access and ability for and, and leverages those other people's networks. Yep. You don't have the trust or the, or the people signed up that that person does. Right. Before we get off content and move on to the next thing, I wanna spend just a minute or two on live. We worked yes. with you all on a live show. What were some of the lessons learned that you would want to impart on somebody taking on a live show on a giving day um, for the first time? What are some of the things you look at and you say, hey, this would have been helpful if um, we had done X, Y, or Z? Um. So I think one of the things, I think you probably want to know why you're doing it. I mean, that mm -hmm. sounds ridiculous, yeah. but what is your goal? Is it number of views? Is it, I think I hadn't anticipated the energy that the actual act of filming would create. We did ours in our campus center and the student energy was just palpable and really exciting. And I think if I mm. had realized that, I would have worked harder to get it up on the TV screens around campus, promote it around campus more, get that buzz going within the community. Because um, our faculty, staff, and students are a large part of our donor community as well. Um, and again, it's harder to break through sometimes on, um, you know, on the social channels. So I think that was something that w when we do it again, I would pay, um, place more of a focus on. Um, and uh, also, which we did do, so I wouldn't say that a lesson learned, but um, just a, a lesson to do is, you know, 
think about who you want to interview. We did a combo of live interviews and um, pre-recorded content. And, um, and think about maybe asking questions that then could be taken from the you know cutting room floor and repurposed for something else throughout the course of the year. Because there's so many hours of content um, that I always say in my dream world I will do. I never really get around to doing it, but in my dream world, I'm, I'm going to come and sit on the floor of the cutting room here and, and find the, the magic content. You're welcome to do it. There is so. always a lot there. Um, those things you just mentioned are great, are really important. I think the energy of a live, just the, the yeah. act of having a live show is great. One of the other potential goals we've talked to some people about for a live show on a day of giving is bringing in an audience that might not otherwise get involved right. by making the event you know, a hook with like a presentation from, uh, you know, a famous mm -hmm. alum or, yep. you know, a research, you know, research presentation. If you're like, oh, we really want to engage this specific group of people, yes. make that live show about something where, you know, we do live events all the time right. that, where the goal is lead generation, get people to show up. Yep. You can do that. Just have it, you know, this right. live event sponsored by Giving Day, right? Yep. Um, yep. So that's an option too. Um, okay. You've alluded to it a few times, so I think it's time to dive in fully and talk about the impact of athletics on uh, Tufts yes. Giving Tuesday, but more broadly thinking about it for other institutions. It might be athletics, it might be some other thing. Really, it's finding that competitive constituency yep. and making them go to work for you. How has athletics for you all as that competitive constituency emerged as a really important part of your day of giving? So they are huge ambassadors for the excitement of it. They are reliable content providers when we need um, a student voice on our videos. Uh, the coaches are, um, you know, like everything, it was gradual. At first it was maybe two coaches who wanted to be part of it, and then it was 10, and now they're all tripping over themselves because they, um, they're they really excited. And at first it was just a general goal to give to um, athletics and then the coach then the the teams started doing their own like back of the envelope behind the scenes challenges and I was like no why don't we make this official bring it into and the fold so right. we've we've sort of grown that where we just sort of listed what the challenges were but they weren't active on the day and then finally we actually got to a space where um, you know, we had, I think, close to 20 live team challenges, wow. um, dollar for dollar matches for yeah. on the day, and that just drove everything out of it. So we had that, and we also had leaderboards. And most platforms will have some sort of leaderboard function. Um, we, you can do them for, in our case, we could make it a reunion class mm -hmm. leaderboard. You could have it be a group leaderboard. Right. Um, I think if I were an institute, if I were a university or a college, um, that isn't as complicated as we are in the sense that we're doing a giving day for across the university. Um, I think a reunion leaderboard would be great. I do think that classes would be competitive with each other. Independent school, maybe a parents class leaderboard would be an interesting approach if the technology is there to select parent. Um, so um, we have not found the second magic button, as I mentioned, as it relates to what is the leaderboard for non-athletic student involvement. Yep. Yep. Um, we've tried our acapella groups, which have huge play, but not there. They don't. They don't compete against each other. I mean, they aren't really competing against each other. So um, what we've pivoted for for other student groups is um, we just you know, offer a challenge, offer a challenge award. Um, so they just sort of compete against themselves to get a challenge gift. Right. 
So. Right. Well, and really quickly, the results definitely speak for themselves in regards yes. to athletics. More than 50% generally yep. of the gifts from Tufts on Tufts Giving Tuesday yep. come from athletics constituencies. Yep. And that year that we were at almost 10,000, it was like almost 60%. It's unbelievable. So, yeah. It's just huge numbers. And, um, you know, for you all, it's athletics. For some of the other institutions we work with, Greek life is one yes. that we've seen some institutions yep, have success with. Um, there is like c competition built in there. Something like acapella, depending on the school, could, could work. Absolutely, right? yep. So I mean, re we really thought. I mean, I thought I found the second Nirvana, the second Nirvana, but no, <laughs> I mean, it just didn't work. So, yeah, which is also okay. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, so I want to move on to talking about um, selecting a date. So you yes. all do your event on Giving Tuesday. Yes. Pros and cons to that. Um, in my mind, pros being there's a lot of um, awareness around it already. Yes. Cons being there's a lot of awareness around it already. There's yep. competing priorities, right? Yep. So um, traditional nonprofits like dog rescues for me, um, you know, health organizations, right? All of these different nonprofits, you know, conservation groups, all of these things that are not your alma mater are hitting you up for donations. That doesn't happen throughout most of the year when you have this, you know, you have your alumni. Right. And most people have, you know, one undergraduate alum, you know, one or two graduate alums. You have kind of a leg up there it's this almost unnatural competition that doesn't always happen. Now that said, the awareness that comes with Giving Tuesday helps level that out, but like I said, pros and cons. Now that you're nine, 10 years into this, what are your thoughts on the date and whether or not somebody launching a Giving Day, a day of giving should try to make it coincide with Giving Tuesday? So when we started on Giving Tuesday, remember Giving Tuesday wasn't a thing, right? Like it was just this nascent idea of maybe we can create. So we weren't dealing with um, fighting for airtime. And now, I mean, we must answer this question ourselves every year. Should we pivot away? Should we pivot away? Are we getting lost? And our volunteers are ready. Mm -hmm. they, ha they have been trained. And so I think we are fine on Giving Tuesday because we have a 10-year tradition of doing it there. Yeah. And we have a cohort of anywhere between three and 600 alums who are going to reach out and make sure that we um, get this done. If I were starting all over again at this point in time, I think I'd probably not choose Giving Tuesday uh, unless you... Um, especially if we are leaning into our earlier commentary of how this could be incremental. It's going to be really hard to break through Giving Tuesday with the resources we deployed 10 years ago now. Right, like, right, right, right. it would be next to impossible. So I would say, um, assuming you aren't at a place that would make finding a unifying date uh, challenging, you know, the founding date or just some random date you want to, or a lot of places are um, splitting it and doing an athletics giving day mm -hmm. and then yep. a general giving day or whatever. I don't think I've ever seen anything other than athletics being parsed right. out on its own. Um, <laughs> but no, more people are doing that. But, You're right. I didn't um, even think of mentioning that. So there's a lot of different, and also talking about incremental, if you decided, if you have good athletics partners, that's the way you could start. Don't mess with the whole day that seems, sorry. I'm flipping my hand all over the place. No, I just please, drew a box. that's fine. Um, so, um, so start with athletics and build from there. Um, so I think I would probably choose not Giving Tuesday. But if someone really is super keen on Giving Tuesday, I mean, I'm happy to provide tips to that person on how to break yeah. through the noise too. Yeah, and it is like you mentioned, it's it's. And a date that's agnostic of any politics, right? right. It's here and it's it's provided for you. Yep. You mentioned incremental gains and in growing the event. Um, 
once you get to a certain point, you have staff resources, you've done a ton of marketing toolkits, you have content, mm -hmm. all the stuff we've talked about to this point, how do you continue to grow it um, beyond what your staff can do? We talked about ambassadors and volunteers. Yep. Is that now where you look, you know, kind of looking forward um, with this event? And, and is that a place where you would suggest people have done maybe a couple years of this look to try to make their event continue to grow? Yes. So you eventually will hit the point where we hit, which is, are we just getting people who would give to Tufts anyway, give on Giving Tuesday, and we do all this work for people who would just you know, give online anyway, uh, which I don't think is the case. I still think there's an untapped market of, um, of acquisition donors for us, and that is going to come through volunteers. So the, the biggest reason we chose to transition to the new um, platform we're using is because it has a volunteer module that interacts with the Giving Day module. So our volunteers, whom we get to sign up, um, and, and there's sort of two layers. So you have the volunteers with whom you have a deep relationship, um, and they can just interact with it and make their own challenges and communicate very clearly with their own volunteers. Then there's this whole other layer of volunteering where you just click on the on the platform itself, and we have that in our old uh, technology as well. And they just sign up to be a volunteer just for that day, right. which is also a wonderful opportunity. But that is the one thing going back to would you use Giving Tuesday. If you knew you had a built-in audience that could cut through the noise, I think you could do Giving Tuesday without a doubt. Um, if you're just going to be relying on mass marketing, I think that's where we trip into the, well, everyone's, you know, mm -hmm. the puppies need help, the hospitals need help, the horses need help. Like, <laughs> so um, they all do need help. <laughs> Philanthropy <laughs> is such a, it sounded so cynical. The horses, <laughs> but you can help the horses through Tufts. You can. You can also help the puppies and the heart. All of this goes back to Tufts, right? But so. actually, you know, you're making a really important point, which is um, highlighting impact, right? right. You're, Sometimes people, this is this is the whole point of like highlighting the real yes. things that are happening at an institution, which is that all of these things you mentioned happen yes, at a university, especially at a larger university. Yeah. And it's making sure um, you provide that information to people and let them know to the point of, I think you said Billy's uncle, the soccer yes, player or whatever. Right, yeah. Um, hey, Billy's uncle, I know you like your yeah. nephew and that's great, but there's also research and- Right, absolutely. You know, veterinary school and all of these other things, like highlight the impact. Yeah. That's a hugely important And a part. giving day is a really fabulous way. If you are sort of in a space where you had been an institution where unrestricted giving was what the annual fund was synonymous with, um, the giving day concept has really allowed us to explore you know, more cause-based or impact-based giving that doesn't decimate the unrestricted giving, but allows us to reach uh, a broader audience and allows them to choose what they want to be um, be supporting. Um, particularly at like the veterinary school, just like you said, we have all these, I mean, the wildlife clinic is so popular on right. Giving Tuesday because right. who doesn't want to help the squirrel yeah. that fell from the tree? <laughs> I, well, it's I, unique You too. do, yeah. right, and yeah. it's, yeah. So it's, uh, it allows you to really tell your stories in a more unique and engaging way. For Tyler, for Julia, I'm Phil. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks, Julia. Thank you, it's fun. <laughs> Bye.